welcome to a final Euro 2016 edition of the Planet Football Podcast. I am SI.com soccer editor, Avi Creditor, joined today by SI.com's Alex Abnos. And Alex, we are coming to you all a day after Portugal beats France in extra time to win their first major international trophy. Uh, 1-0 victory on the heels of eight airs. Goal in the 109th minute. Uh, what a... Um, it's the word. It, just a little bit of a ridiculous final. Uh, it, it wasn't the most beautiful final we've ever seen. It won't go down in, in the history books as a classic. Uh, but it was it was compelling to a degree. You had Cristiano Ronaldo going down injured. 25 minutes uh, into the game, he comes off. And, and all his hope is lost for Portugal, of course. But but then they did what Portugal does. And they, they just put the game to a, a grinding halt. They got some great defensive play, some great goalkeeping. And here they are as champions. Yeah, I think this is the rare uh, final that was not well, particularly well played and was not particularly entertaining, or at least overly so, uh, but is also extremely memorable and will be extremely memorable. And I think a lot of that has to do with a Ronaldo injury. Like that was, you know, if you could pick one player on the entire field that you would want on the field for the entire time that the game was going on, it would be Ronaldo. And then nobody else even approaches uh, his level in second place. Like Griezmann would probably be the second person you wouldn't want, but that's a distant second. So when he actually went down at first, you know, the, the place where I was watching, it was like this little French uh, cafe in, in Bushwick, Brooklyn, uh, which pretty random spot for a French cafe, uh, <laughs> but uh, they were having a great time. And when Ronaldo went down, everybody at first we were talking about this before we went on air. At first, when he went down, everybody's like, oh, you know, the standard, like, uh, basically making fun of him for for overreacting because he does do a fair amount of that. Not necessarily diving, but being very theatrical in how he falls down and his reactions and, and appeals to the referee. He's a great actor. Like, his face, just the way it contorts into all these pained expressions is great. It's part of the theater, and it's awesome. But he was doing that again this time, and so everybody was, of course, giving him the standard, you can't possibly mean that, you're not possibly hurt that bad. And then as he kind of kept on going, you saw the look in his face and you kind of immediately got the impression, or at least I did, that it was serious, uh, that it wasn't anything to to be messed around with. And then, yeah, when he when he tried to go afterwards, it was clear even in the few instances where the ball came anywhere near him, he just wasn't, uh, he just wasn't feeling comfortable. So going out was the right thing to do, but props to him for actually making a go of it. Like, I don't know. Nobody knows what his injury is yet. We probably won't for at least another day or two. Uh, and to what extent he injured it, but uh, wouldn't be surprised if, you know, there's sort some sort of serious damage to his knee. And if that's the case and he went how long, like 15 minutes ish yeah, yeah. in a top class international final with, uh, you know, maybe, as worse, as bad as a ligament just gone from his knee. Like, that's insane. That actually should get, that should, he should be getting much more credit uh, than he's been uh, getting or not getting, as the case may be, <laughs> for that, uh, for that whole, uh, for that whole sequence. Yeah, it was, it was nuts. And we can touch on Ronaldo uh, in, in a little bit. Um, I want to talk about Portugal as a whole, though. Uh, now, this, this is a team that was a third place finisher in its group. They led for a total of 73 minutes this entire tournament. Uh, and yet here they are with the trophy. And the biggest takeaway that that I could sense from just around all corners of the world and 
I mean, look, Twitter isn't the place you go for for the most measured of all takes. That's kind of where the scum of the universe is migrating <laughs> from just, from comment sections to there. It's just where you go for all of the takes. <laughs> all, all of the takes. Just bring the fire. Um, but everyone was so salty. Everyone just even on on ESPN, all the commentators, and it's so rich coming from these <laughs> English internationals <laughs> whose team couldn't beat Iceland, and they're and they're just moaning like they wouldn't take a defensive masterclass of a team winning a title. Like, right. Give me a break. And and here everyone is just just totally giving Portugal stick for being a defensive team that that just you know they run out draws they bring games to a halt they're not particularly fun to watch they when Ronaldo's on one like he was against Hungary right yeah it's fantastic um, but look they they didn't write the rules of this competition <laughs> they just played by them and <laughs> good for Portugal they won the thing and they earned it yeah the notion. I'm I'm kind of long I've long had the opinion that the notion of there being even the terminology good soccer and bad soccer, good football and bad football is that whole the whole idea that there is good football and bad football is a, a joke to me. That's crazy. Like good soccer is the kind of soccer that wins you games and tournaments. And by that measure, to me, Portugal played great soccer because you know, they they clearly went into every game with an idea of what they wanted to accomplish and how to prevent the other team from doing what they wanted to do. And they just knew that they had enough talented individuals up top, not just Ronaldo, but also Nani, Quaresma, uh, obviously, weirdly enough, Adair <laughs> at the end, uh, guy, you know, guys that could come up uh, in big moments to help capitalize on, on uh, the organization that they had throughout their team. I mean, maybe we've just been spoiled with this run that Spain had and even like Germany's balance and the way they are so incisive in attack. It's just, it's almost like uh, it's weird to see a team be so, so successful playing negatively, but the point of the game is to win. Like what if they had gone out all out and tried to be something that they're not, then they would have gone out in the group stage. They would have done even worse. Uh, now, if you were to have a complaint about them that I would absolutely agree with, it is that the only reason they were even in the final in the first place was due to this ridiculous 2014 uh, format and the natural uh, awarding of, I guess, not undeserving teams. Like, I, I want to use that word because it's just the nature of the format. But it's just it just what I'll say is that it reveals kind of the messiness of a 2014 format that, that is kind of uh, just inherent in it, uh, which isn't Portugal's fault. It's just uh, the system. The system, man. <laughs> it's all about the system. <laughs> and, and look, there's there's a massive conversation to be had of of what's what's better, what's more important over the long haul, playing beautiful, aesthetically pleasing soccer and dominating teams, and and maybe you win tournaments, maybe you don't, but you're doing it the right way, or winning tournaments. And the one that lifts the trophy is the one that wins the tournament. Win tournaments, like come on, that's. Sure. Nobody like the the ideal is you play like the Spain, you play like the Germany, you play like the Brazil of old, and and you win being by far and away without a doubt the most deserving team of of winning a title. Um, I don't think anyone is going to take from this Euro twenty sixteen that Portugal is the best team in Europe. I think that if you ask people right now, less than twenty four hours after Portugal is confirmed as technically the best team in Europe, <laughs> right? Where they rank on the best teams in Europe, you might crack a top five. Potentially. Um, I think you would after this tournament, yeah. But 
but it's but it's not a given. But it doesn't matter. They won. <laughs> Actually, maybe not. Now that I'm thinking about it, because I keep on forgetting. Like my reasoning for saying that they might crack the top five would be that they just made it to the final and won. So clearly they must have beaten. So like automatically my head is saying, well, they obviously beat some good teams along the way. But as we discussed on the, on the previous version of this podcast, well, the previous episode, <laughs> they really didn't. No, they <laughs> like France, did you could like France was really the first top quality side they played. Maybe Croatia is in that conversation. Yeah. Outside of that, all teams that they should have beaten, none of whom they beat with the exception of Wales. Uh, right. All teams they shouldn't have tied against that they ended tied up tied against. against. Right. Right. Exactly. But again, but it all goes into this bigger picture of the tournament. You get the job done in the group stage. You go ahead. They were all set to finish second. It's only because Iceland got that last that last gasp goal that um, that right. they didn't. And it's amazing after all of the the drama and the sour grapes that Ronaldo had at Iceland that that goal prevented them from going into the tougher side of the bracket where they would have had to play England first off uh, in, in the round of 16. And and then who knows who we're talking about today as the champion. It's crazy. So can you imagine that side of the bracket had Portugal not made it in there? Like who the hell would have come out of that? Cause then it w- like for as un- unbalanced as the bracket already was the one team you saw when you were, when you were looking at it was, Oh, well, Portugal now has this incredible chance to run this bracket because no team here can really touch them. Imagine if now Iceland is there, then like you're looking at, what Croatia being uh, favorited to be in the final? Like, what if that had happened? That Croatia, been, Wales. That would have yeah. been crazy. Yeah, Wales. I guess as as they ended up playing, probably would have been the safer bet. Yeah. But that's nuts. That's yeah. nuts. To Look, me. tournaments are about luck. <laughs> they're about they're about fate in a lot of ways. Shows the problems with the system. The it's problems. 20th. The problems with the system. Look, it's, it's a the warning. The system sign. is rigged. We we talked about this in the last in the preview podcast for the final. I think it's a warning sign for for the World Cup expansion. And of course, it's a different pool of teams and, and we don't know the format of a 40-team World Cup. Maybe only two teams would go out from, from each group uh, anyway. So, you know, I can't make any any definitive declarations there. But uh, the Euros with 16 teams was a phenomenal tournament. Yeah. And, and the 24-team system totally changed things. But you know what? Good on Portugal for winning it. No salt coming from me. <laughs> uh, and and they earned it. Um now, now let's let's talk about Ronaldo because he uh, the the Is emotion. The man? <laughs> look the, again, another the another guy just the brunt of social media abuse, and he brings it on himself for all of the selfies and the shirtlessness and and. Do you think he cares though? Do you think he gives even? No, no, no. <laughs> no. Of course not. Nor and, should he. No, not at all. But it's it's amazing to me that he could go out that early in the final and and Portugal, you know, still prevail. And it just goes to show that Portugal was way more than just a one-man team. And also just his actions on the sideline. He was not some pouting guy just pissed off that he couldn't play in the final. This was a guy who embraced his team and his country and his words of encouragement. I can't think of how many players have come out and and just lauded him for, you know, what he was able to say at halftime, the way he acted before penalties against Poland um yeah that video uh anybody listening to this if you haven't seen the video of him going around and pumping up who was the john moutinho yeah before he was going to take the penalty against uh against poland like find it because it's like i feel like if you were to create like a video dictionary of like just roles in soccer like the role of captain that's what a captain does. absolutely yeah um you know you saw that he brings more to the table than than just the goals and, and just the dynamic play um and 
you know, there's there's always haters. That's fine. Um, you know, of course, he ended the game shirtless. That's what he does. <laughs> <laughs> but but look, he's following up from the Cavs. Yeah. <laughs> The, we could go a whole nother route, by the way, because I've got plenty to say about how he and LeBron James, the the parallel paths between the two and, and how they're perceived, all the way down to the Nike swoosh, to be honest. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Um, it's it's nuts. And just think about LeBron James going down in Game 7 in Oakland right? and the Cavaliers still winning the finals. That's that's what Portugal did right. with, without Ronaldo. Um, and look, both of them crying with, you know, moments <laughs> after is, winning. I, I, I thought that immediately after it happened, once the final whistle blew and you saw, uh, Ronaldo in the arms of whoever it was, I don't, I don't remember who, who was hugging him exactly, but the look on his face and the, just the pure emotion and the tears flowing, it was just like, I've seen this before. And it was in a different sport, and it was about a month ago. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I feel like I literally just saw this happen. Crazy parallels. Yeah. Crazy parallels. But it's authentic. It's genuine. It's not a show. Like, uh, people want there to be something wrong with him winning the tournament and, and lifting the trophy. I, I'm just not seeing it. Yeah. I mean, we were talking about this before we, before we went on. It's like, I can't think of another player around whom I, like, my opinion has evolved or maybe improved or just changed so much over the last maybe even year two years something like that um because you know the debate is always you know Ronaldo or Messi or Ronaldo or Messi and long ago I decided that like for me it's Lionel Messi because of just the things he does well I won't get into it how about that we'll leave it at that for right now but um because of that I guess Ronaldo always seemed just to be inferior or like the second best version of something. And over the past year, as I've like watched him play and I've not just seen him play, but seen how he behaves around his team and the kind of, uh, the kind of man he is on the pitch, basically. Oh, I just said pitch. I hate that word. Uh, this is America. We call it field and that's okay. Anyway, uh, <laughs> uh, the kind of, the kind of man he is on the field. Um, made me respect him a whole lot more. Like, I couldn't believe I was saying it last night. The the guy I was standing next to, I turned to him halfway through the final and was just like, you know what? Like, it was after they had shown Ronaldo on the sidelines, you know, jumping around, giving instructions. You know, I could have never imagined myself saying this, you know, a year, maybe two years ago, but I was thinking, you know, like, if I was a player, I would probably really love to play with Cristiano Ronaldo, which, like, what player wouldn't because he's got other worldly talent and who doesn't want to play with a player like that, but I meant it in a completely different way. I mean, like he actually seems like a, like a good teammate or at least a teammate that will have your back, um, which is crazy. Like he, he somehow developed a reputation as somebody that totally isn't that at all. And over the course of the final, you saw that uh, he recognizes that it's a team game and that he can do a lot, but he can, but really it's about the system. And he, I think he recognized probably that the reason Portugal was in the were in the final in the first place was because of their system and not necessarily because he was out there scoring a ton of goals because he wasn't really. Yeah. The other symptom of the final and seeing him uh, jumping around like that is I'm really looking forward to seeing manager Cristiano Ronaldo in about in about ten years time. Will he do it? Probably not. But that but seeing his the look of him on on the sideline like standing next to Fernando Santos like barking out instructions, telling people, I was just like, this guy looks like a manager. And I think a mate, like in a crazy way, I think it might actually work depending on like 
manager is much more than just jumping around on the sideline and, and looking important, <laughs> of course. So it depends on all the other stuff that goes on behind the scenes. But I think if he's able to develop those parts after he retires, he could be an incredible manager because clearly people look up to him and he's uh, invested in the wholeness of his team uh, in a way that maybe he wasn't earlier in his career. Absolutely. And I, I think you saw a guy embrace, um, you know, others being part of the spotlight and that's okay. Sure. And of course he got the trophy lift and he got the the spotlight and we're talking about him, even though Adair scored the game winning goal and Rui Patricio was unbelievable in that or not Renato Sanchez. 18 and had an unbelievable tournament. Great. Yeah. Like how about the business of Bayern Munich locking him up before this <laughs> tournament? They saved themselves 40 million euros. From, At least. Yeah. <laughs> like it's, you know, there are so many talented parts of this Portugal team. And of course we're talking about Ronaldo. Um, but I, I think he totally accepts the fact that Portugal is about more than just him. And that's totally fine. Yeah. Uh, uh, speaking of that, that winning goal, by the way, first of all, can you think of a less likely player not including Pepe, because that's the obvious answer, to get that goal. I would have expected Pepe to get a header off a corner kick or something, <laughs> right, honestly. Okay. That would have been the most Portugal way to win this thing. Right. Uh, no, this is this is a guy, Adair, loaned from Swansea to, to, to Lille, that hasn't really done anything um, you know, of note in his international career. I think this was his first goal in a competitive match. Um, <laughs> that's crazy. Which is a pretty, which is a pretty <laughs> nice way to, to make your mark. Um, and it was a it was just a hit out of nowhere. I thought Hugo Lloris should have done better. That was my first reaction watching it. After I've seen it a few more times, I'm like, you know what? That was actually a pretty nice hit. But it was one of those things that just the way that Lloris had played, especially during the whole tournament, you would expect him to save. Yeah. Yeah, no, that, that goal was really strange. It's a strange goal to win a tournament. But the more I watch it, the more I kind of appreciate uh, the skill that goes into it. Because Eder, like, I've had this feeling every time I've watched him play, it seems like he's he's never fully under control. It never f feels like he's totally like really comfortable with the way he's moving around the field or how to how to control the ball or how to make things happen. Like soccer players are are just like they're creatures of control. They know where they are and they know where everybody else is and they know where the ball is and they know where it's going to go next. And Adair really doesn't show outwardly like he knows any of that <laughs> ever when he's uh, when he's playing. And that was true. Even in the final, literally up until the nanosecond, he straightened himself up to take that shot. When the ball came to him, he was running like uh, like like you know newborn deer when their legs are all <laughs> are all like wobbly and they're kind of barely struggling to walk. That was kind of Adair as soon as he got the ball, kind of stumbling over the ball, way outside a goal, defender blocking his way. Who would expect him to take a shot there? He's not set. He doesn't have a clean look. So maybe that's actually the perfect time to maybe take a shot. The and, the, and the shot that he offered was could not have been placed any better. It was low, exactly within uh, the lower 90. Loris was probably caught off guard by the, by the fact that he took it. But all the same, he put it in a place where Loris just could not get to it. He was at full stretch, and it still went beyond his fingertips. Yeah. Props to Eder. Like, he... He maybe rightfully has gotten criticized a lot for just his presence on the Portuguese national team. And you watch him play and you wonder why he's there. Well, he's there to score the winning goal in the European Cup final. Yeah, and he, and he even said, you know, Cristiano Ronaldo says to him, you know, before he goes on to the game that that he's going to score the winning goal, that he called it, that he you know gave him the confidence to go out there and, and do that. 
Um, that might not even been the best goal by an Adair in at the Euros. <laughs> right. Italy, Italy's Adair had uh, had a, a great strike of his own. Um, look, it's it wasn't the greatest tournament, um, and you know you, you've you've heard a lot of that, you've seen a lot of that, and it's because it wasn't. And uh, a, a lot of defensive soccer, and perhaps fitting that the defensive minded team like Portugal wins it. Now, here's the thing: if it's Italy that plays the same exact way. And puts out a defensive masterclass and gets a goal from Adair, perhaps, even, right? <laughs> uh, to win it, you're you're hearing how Italian soccer's back and it's Italian's reign, and this is this is the the way is meant to be played. Like it's just it's it's eye of the beholder perception. It's a it's a weird double standard. You're totally right about that. Yeah. So congratulations to Portugal. To France, on the other hand, um, absolutely brutal. Um, and you know what? You you wonder if after they beat Germany and kind of got rid of that. That hoodoo over them, um, if they thought they had it won. And you're never going to go into a final thinking you got it, of course, especially if Ronaldo's on the other side of the field. Um, but it, it was just, there was something off. Um, you know, they had their great chances. Don't get me wrong. They had, a, they, Geniac hit a post. That's the thing. Is that like this, like, we've talked this now the, for what, 20 minutes now about Portugal and how great they were and how they had the game totally in control. France had three pretty much golden chances. And if any of those go in, we're having a completely different conversation right yep. now. Like, that's how thin the margins are. And that's crazy. Ronaldo's a loser if France if, if, Right, exactly. Ronaldo's a loser. He got injured in the final. He'll never amount to anything. He'll be a terrible <laughs> manager if he decides to go into management. Maybe he actually will no matter what. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> you know, it, like, literally every, every single aspect of this is different. Um, to me... Yeah, uh, I think what surprised me about France in this game is that Paul Pogba wasn't as involved in the buildup as he definitely should have been. If you look at his heat map from the game, it's all kind of behind the center circle or in the center circle. That was odd to me. Um, it looked like they were really struggling to come up with like different ways uh, to attack Portugal or vary up uh, their attacks. Um, I thought the substitution of Payet for... Uh, Coman actually was an odd one. Um, Payet admittedly slowed down big time after the group stage. He, had, of course, had that uh, opening goal against Romania. One of the maybe lasting memories of the tournament was that goal. But he's still somebody that can that just needs one moment to change a game. And to just take him out so early, too, in what, what was it, the 57th minute, something like that, uh, I thought that was odd. But even given all of that, I feel like it was just unlucky. I struggled to come up with any big overriding conclusion other than that one like sure maybe some tactical things could have been done differently but and maybe like Griezmann does a little bit better on one of his two chances uh maybe Gignac goes far post instead of trying to beat Rui Patricio near post on that chance which I still think is a crazy decision um but ultimately it's just luck yeah look it's a game of moments and and France had theirs and it just didn't go their way um they're they're gonna be fine. They're stacked. <laughs> they're they're they'll be okay. They're, they're I don't stacked. Cry for this France. this obviously hurts. You know this this is the opportunity to win a title on on home soil, um, and it was there for them, and and they couldn't take it, um, and that's unfortunate for them. But they are they are so talented. They will be one of the favorites in Russia twenty eighteen should they qualify, of course. Sure. Um, and you know it just it's like you said in, in a lot of ways a, a matter of luck. Um, Portugal is is your champion, and they they will be. See!
<laughs> that was actually really impressive. Really? Yeah. All that, right. Dead on. All right. We got our Ronaldo impersonator. <laughs> um, before we uh, put a bow on Euro 2016 as a whole, I just want to kind of go down memory lane a little bit and give a give a little bit of bests and and worsts and and just things you'll remember um you know if there's a goal for you that that stood out from this tournament what was it uh i have to say Sardan shakiri's for switzerland it's kind of not even a question for me first of all because i already love Sardan shakiri as a player just an incredible goal uh acrobatic from that far out to get that much power on it and still be the goalkeeper uh it's rare that you see that happen. The only the only goal that I weirdly enough can think of that comes close to it in terms of combining like a bicycle kick style motion with that much power is Marcelo Balboa's 2000 MLS goal of the year uh, where he just rocketed it from the top of the box. So finally, finally, Zerdan Shakiri has produced a moment worthy of equaling Marcelo Balboa. And that's what I'll remember about yeah, this tournament. It always comes back to MLS goal yeah. of the year. Um, that's, yeah, that's that's an obvious one. The Payet free kick uh, on, on opening day. Or not the free kick, the uh, just his, his goal, his winner. On, it was like on a free kick. Night. Yeah, from from a, a same distance out. That was tremendous. How about Hal robson Kanu? The, the Cruyff the, turn. The turn. The Cruyff turn to eliminate Belgium, or all but eliminate Belgium anyway. Still relatively close to... Cruyff's, uh, Cruyff's passing, like, that's, yeah, that's, and he doesn't uh, have a club. He's a guy. He's a free agent, just just kind of playing for his national team, <laughs> just kind of out here having a kick about with the Belgium national team and <laughs> making them look ridiculous. Um, if there is a country in Europe that you now want to go visit after Euro 2016, uh, I'm going to say Wales. Uh, I have been all over the United Kingdom. I used to live in London, um, and I've covered games in a lot of different places there, but I never made it out to Wales and I've always been kind of curious about it. Um, and, uh, you know, I wouldn't say that necessarily their run in this tournament inspired me to do it, but I kept on being reminded, oh, that's right. Wales is a place. <laughs> I should go there. I'm sure it's very nice and lovely. Um, I gotta say Iceland, I, I, mean, I always wanted to go, of course, but then you just see the passion of the people um, and just the collective and uh, just just the sights from everywhere, from the stadiums in France to the the scenes in, in Reykjavik. Uh, I, I'm dying to go there now. Um, and and again, it's not inspired necessarily by Euro <laughs> 2016, but but it's definitely higher up on the list uh, hey, as a whole. You know what? I just remembered I actually have been to Wales. <laughs> I completely forgot. <laughs> I have a funny soccer-related story. Uh, my band was in, on tour, and we were playing in Cardiff, and we played the show. Um, and then, uh, we were talking with just some people after the show and I, you know, uh, somehow the topic turned to soccer and I mentioned, Hey, yeah, I cover soccer a little bit here and there. Uh, Oh, who do you like? Oh, I really like Gareth Bale. This was like a couple of years ago when he was first starting to become a big deal with Tottenham. I like Gareth Bale a lot. Love the way he plays. You know, what do you think of him? And he's just like Gareth. And this guy I'm talking to is just like Gareth Bale. I've got him on speed dial. I was like, what? And he takes out his phone and he goes through his phone He's an actor of some like mild importance. I don't remember his name uh, in Wales. He goes through his phone, Gareth Bale, his number. He's like, I can call him right now. He's like, you don't have to call Gareth Bale right now. Well, can you get him and just get Gareth on the podcast? If I, I would be able to get him uh, if I remembered his name mm. or uh, anything about him other than the fact that he was an actor that supposedly had Gareth Bale on speed dial. Now, maybe he had the phone book entry for Gareth Bale in his phone and it's fake, and he made it ahead of time just to pull out for people like me. You never know. 
Um, but it seemed genuine. And when I asked him how exactly somebody like him, not that he's like some schlub, but how how anybody just happens to have Gareth Bale's phone number on speed dial, his response was really simple. He just said, it's a small country. <laughs> it's where it's so place, that's my Cardiff story. It's the place where everyone knows your name. Uh, what's the most disappointing team for you in this tournament? England <laughs> when are they not uh but especially this time uh and I say that not only because I picked them to win um which I should have known better that's my bad uh but England I mean they, with the amount of talent that they had and in the positions where they had talent that not only players that are good but players that were good and playing very very well uh the way they looked going into the tournament there's almost like no explanation for why they performed the way they did just pretty poorly all the way through. And they deserve to go out when they did, if not earlier, like they, you could argue that, you know, it, it had a few things uh, gone slightly differently, you know, game of inches uh, style, they might've gone out in the group stage and that would have been de- uh, deserved as well. So England. Fair enough. Uh, I think Austria is, is a, a pretty big disappointment finishing fourth out of that group with Hungary, Iceland, and Portugal. Um, there's just too much talent on that team to, to come away with, with a, you know, a single point and really just not showing all that well. Belgium, for me, like you like you picked England to win the whole thing. I picked Belgium to win the whole thing. And, and of course, that was done knowing that Vincent Company wasn't going to be there and knowing that they are a team of incredible individuals that haven't really put it together when tested uh, you know, against top competition in, in tournament play. Um, but you know, this was also supposed to be the time where, where that 2014 world cup experience paid off and turned into a trophy and it absolutely did not. Right. Um, so, so that's a downer. Uh, if there's a player, not star category, uh, who you will remember from this tournament solely because of this tournament, maybe, or, or just because of, you know, just something tangentially related to, to that person. Who do you, who do you got? Hmm. That's a good question. Mm. We're, we're digging deep. Yeah. Uh, I am going to say, and I don't know why this is the first name that comes to my mind, but I'm going to say Joe Ledley uh, from Wales uh, because he did what he does very well. He just destroyed people on a consistent basis. His beard was awesome. Uh, honestly, was one of Wales's best players in the tournament. Um, obviously, Bale and Aaron Ramsey and Hal Robson Kano because of that goal get a lot of the headlines. But uh, the play of Joe Ledley, I think, had as much to do with uh, with that team's run uh, as the other was. Now, he's not the kind of player that's going to make a difference in the final third, which is what they struggled with against uh, Portugal, uh, and why hit the mere presence of Joe Ledley in the midfield wasn't enough to make up for Aaron Ramsey's uh, absence, unfortunately. But I thought he had a great tournament, and I liked watching him play. He was also a month removed from a broken leg. Also that. <laughs> like, my God, you talk about people... Like... Man, I had completely forgotten about that. Yeah, also, broken leg. <laughs> Broken leg, giant beard, that's st- still flying into tackles, still playing really, really well. Joe Ledley. That's hero status. Hero status. For me, uh, it's a tie. There's there's Gabor Karai, the, the 40-year-old Hungarian goalkeeper with his oh-so-glorious sweatpants. Um, I, you know, he's also a very good goalkeeper. He had a tremendous, tremendous tournament uh, for Hungary. And, and, of course, there is the man who played absolutely zero minutes in this competition, Will Grigg. Um, because well, Griggs on fire. He remains on fire. Uh, I don't know about you, but I'm gonna take a 
larger interest in Wigan games this year. <laughs> uh, just just to see the, the fan chance, really. I'm, I'm just looking forward to seeing him scoring. Uh, how, I, if, I will not be taking a larger interest in Wigan games <laughs> this year. I love that. I'll uh, let you do that. <laughs> Michael O'Neill, his, his quote after uh, Northern Ireland was, was eliminated was something along the lines of, like, I don't make my selections based on, you know, fan chance. That said... How do you not make a selection based on a fan chant? That you should place, do that once. That stadium, goes, something you should do. Northern once. Ireland needs a goal. Just put them on. It's one of those Come like on. it's one of those like high risk, high reward situations. Like if because if you put him on and he ends up just like absolutely sucking, then you look really dumb because you made the decision based on a fan chant. But if you put him on, he ends up scoring a goal, any kind of goal, even if it's in a five to one loss, then you look awesome because you made the sub based on a fan chant. So. I don't know. Be bold. Will Put Greg's, them in. Will Greg's on fire. <laughs> um, if there is a, just speaking of things on fire, just the hottest of takes that you have heard <laughs> about <laughs> about this tournament that really does not reflect reality. I can I'll, I can go first on please, this. Please go then. first so I can actually think about all of the takes that I've <laughs> I've, I've somehow there uh, there have been many seen. the ones the ones that that this title. Uh, vindicates Ronaldo as a great like no he was great before winner winner lose even if he had scored a winner in the final right still a one of the top two players of our generation so let's 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 just keep things a little more level-headed um the fact that that Spain's era of tiki-taka and and Spain's golden generation is dead um I don't buy that for a second I think they got a tough draw um you know having to play Italy so early and you know what? Sometimes you just don't win major tournaments. That happens to the best of nations around the world pretty frequently. Um, you know, so Spain's three-peat denied. But, but you know what? Okay. Uh, I think many teams around the world would take that roster and the, the talent coming through the pipeline over what they currently have. Um, so to me, that, that just seems ridiculous. I, I think maybe the hottest take I've heard today was your assertion that Lurie's could have done better on the, <laughs> on the eight-air goal. <laughs> Sorry. Because uh, I honestly don't know what else he could have done. Like, maybe be positioned an inch or two to his right. But why? Because, like, again, who would expect Ada to take the shot there? I, I don't know that I ever actually saw this, but I'm sure that somewhere in the world there was somebody that was really adamant that the Czech Republic were going to be really, really good. Uh, that person was... Just, just so wrong. Mistaken. Just, just so mistaken. They were awful. Wonderful. That's all I got. Um. All right. To close up, uh, let's let's end on the worst possible note ever, and that's just the most boneheaded play, uh, of the Euros. Um. Everybody that's listening to this right now is screaming Simone Zaza at their iPod or whatever it is they're listening to. I don't know. Do people still listen to these on iPods? I don't know. iPhones, radio, transistor radios. Anyway, yeah, Simone Zaza. Like, I don't know if I don't know if it technically qualifies for this because. I think for it to win this award, the moment has to have finished. And I think Simone Zaza is still taking a few more steps up to the ball, trying to decide what he wants to do. He's like all alone in the Bordeaux Stadium. Lights are off. The goal is empty. There are no fans watching. He's still in the full kit. <laughs> <laughs> Just like step into the ball, waiting. Uh, yeah. I've never seen a penalty run up where I was convinced f- from halfway to the ball that he was going to miss. It was amazing. There is no second place to this award. 
No, there isn't. <laughs> that, that was that was it. The worst part about it is that he was subbed on in the 120th minute solely to take a penalty. Um, and for every move that Antonio Conte got right in this tournament, that was this was not one of them. You know what he needed? He needed Cristiano Ronaldo psyching him up, saying, you're going to make this. And then maybe he would have just run like a normal person instead of a... I don't know, somebody on a pogo stick. Maybe. There's that mashup video um, that some social media genius made um, of showing all the Italian penalties taken at once. <laughs> <laughs> and and after all of of Italy's either score or miss or saved or whatever, you still see Zaza doing the run up and then and then putting his shot into orbit. Um, with that, we're going to send this podcast into orbit for uh, a couple of weeks, actually. We're going to come back uh, new and refreshed and replenished Got a, the Olympics are on the horizon. The European seasons are on the horizon. The transfer window, of course, is open. There's going to be plenty to talk about in the next few weeks. I want to thank all of you for listening over the last number of weeks as we did this for Copa America and, and the Euros. Alex, you producing all of these. Yeah, we've dropped so many podcasts on you in the last in the last eight weeks. Uh, yeah, thank you so much for sticking with us. It was a lot, but I'm glad we did it. Yeah, lots lots of podcasts. And lots of thanks, of course, to everyone involved uh, at, at SI Soccer. Grant Wall, Brian Strauss, Jonathan Wilson, Ben Littleton. Uh, a ton of writing, um, you know, all summer long. James Young, Michael Farber, uh, Michael McKnight. A lot of a lot of contributors uh, coming, coming from all corners. Michael McCann. Uh, so a lot of thanks all around. And, and most importantly, thank you all for listening. Uh, so with that, we're going to put a bow on the summer of soccer. And we'll talk to you soon on the Planet Football Podcast. Do you know about the Locked On Podcast Network? The number one daily sports podcast network. Locked On has a daily podcast on every NBA and NFL team, plus a growing lineup of college and MLB teams. You get a daily bite-sized podcast giving you the latest on your team from the local experts. Lakers fans, search Locked On Lakers. Cowboys fans, search Locked On Cowboys. Just search Locked On, your favorite team, on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts, or tell your smart speaker to play podcast Locked On, your favorite team. Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.